doing kind of an impromptu podcast today because things happen impromptu-ly in life. And um, recently, big big shock, we heard that there might be some corruption within the St. Louis uh, city government, perhaps even the St. Louis county government. Who knew? And as the minute I saw this article, I thought about uh, one of the first projects that I was tasked to work on at the Show Me Institute with uh, one of my guests today, Patrick Tui of the Better Cities Project. I'm going to let you introduce yourself here in a minute. But back in the day, you did a, a project on tax incentive financing. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe people who give out that money perhaps get um, campaign finance donations. So I want to set this up for folks just a little bit before we even start this, because the what I thought was so, I don't want to say funny about that project is, but you were attempting to prove it statistically, and it was really just kind of a no duh kind of a situation, right? We decided in the end. So, so who knew that just within a few short years, it would be literally uh, publicly pl- proven correct that perhaps the people who pass out money uh, also take money to give it out. But Patrick Tui, you are with the Better Cities Project. Uh, please introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Sure. Uh, it's good to be with you and David. It's, it's nice to see you both. Um, so the Better Cities Project is, is similar to the Show Me Institute in that we are a public policy nonprofit. But rather than working within state political borders, like uh, Show Me Institute does, a Better Cities Project identified, and it, it comes from my work dealing with Kansas City and St. Louis, that there are so many problems uh, in cities that um, are, are the same regardless of the city. So New York and Los Angeles may be culturally very different, but they've got the same challenges. Uh, and we all are aware of what those challenges are, everything from infrastructure to public pensions, uh, quality of education, crime, taxes, right? All the good stuff. Um, but but I observed that while I'll say small government uh, traditional conservatives um, or classical liberals, I don't even know what the terms are anymore. While we talk a lot about local government, we don't often talk to local government. And too often, when we when we do speak to them, we can be really, and I'm guilty of this, we can be really condescending. We can uh, presume that they are all captured by public choice theory. Um, and and I would think about that and realize it didn't match my experience. You know, the mm-hmm. people in Kansas City, and I'm sure the people in St. Louis and St. Louis County mm-hmm. are absolutely uh, dedicated. Well, we're going to talk about maybe yeah, some, yeah. That, some that but, aren't. But, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but for the most part, you know, the person who is in nobody wants to clear the streets. Nobody wants to fix the potholes more than the person in charge of public works. Um, but she may not be able to do her job. She will share the frustrations of taxpayers in the city, and she may not be able to do her job for all sorts of things that we are not even aware of, right? The board of aldermen, the city council may decide, oh, we're not going to get that much snow this year, so we're going to cut your budget. Or they've got kind of the, the political drama going on around them. Or as this case in St. Louis shows, they may be trying to earnestly do their job, but they are constantly having that job interfered with by uh, elected political leaders who have, it turns out, a financial interest in, in moving them in one direction or the other. Right. So what we wanted to do with BCP is talk about those same issues, uh, uh, bring them directly to the attention of local elected and career officials, and do so in a way that 
tried to understand the difficult circumstances that they are in and, and give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, but you, yes, that sounds great. That's fantastic. A lot of this though came from your work around Kansas City and that, yeah. you knew Kansas City inside and out. And David Stokes, the Show Me Institute's Director of Municipal, Municipal Policy, my apologies, uh, you know St. Louis inside and out. And uh, David, I feel like you would use a little bit more colorful language than Patrick did in describing <laughs> what may be you know, uh, a, a, a characteristic of urban areas and urban politics, but it's it's really too bad. I mean, one of the, so tell us basically what happened in St. Louis before I give my opinion on it, David. Yeah, and I, uh, I, guess, I guess I had a few disagreements with what I just heard Patrick say, which isn't common. <laughs> uh, but uh, so what happened in St. Louis is in the past week, We've had two revelations of federal indictments, the first one of three members of the Board of Aldermen, including the president of the board, for accepting bribes for various things, primarily uh, helping people to get tax abatements on city property, or on, on their property, city tax abatements on their property, which are very valuable, and several other things as well, including helping them purchase city-owned property from the city land bank at less value than even the city's land bank had asked for it, which was already very low. Uh, and now we have had just, just yesterday the announcement that a St. Louis County employee had been arrested for trying to to uh, use with apparently the same wiretap-wearing businessman, who's a very busy man apparently, that was involved in the city indictments, that this this county employee had approached him about helping he and other businesses get county funding through the COVID-era PPP funds and other county okay. stimulus funds. So he's been indicted for fixing things like that. And he had he had previously held the same job that I used to have before coming to the Show Me Institute as an aide to a councilman at the uh, St. Louis County Council. So so I, I don't know this person, but I certainly, I guess I understand his background a little bit. And then he went on to... Uh, to a higher paying, though harder to decipher what he actually did job with the St. Louis County Jail. In the end, I mean, we all know he's being paid to to do nothing, really. He's being paid he's a, a, change agent. a lot of money. He's a change agent at the jail, which <laughs> apparently he will stop trying to change and start going into. Uh, should he be convicted? He's innocent until proven guilty, of course. But... But like he's just paid for his political influence in the political realm of, of St. Louis County politics. And he was an active member of an influential uh, Democrat Party organization. And so his payroll all came from his influence there. It had nothing to do with an ability to change anything in the St. Louis County jail system, which he did not do. So, so once again, I mean, like the. So the it's all just thing. it's all just cor corruption and payoffs corruption. for. Exactly payoffs for for government government funds and the city ones are perhaps more applicable to what we do at the show me institute because they involve something that patrick's paper touched on uh, in in tiff for tat and which is the constant the constant giveaway of tax subsidies be they tax abatements or tax credits or or tax subsidies whatever you call them around the st state of missouri and whether it be outright bribes again, in the case of these three aldermen, alleged bribes, or, or just generous campaign donations, or even more nebulous things, which I find with some regulators is certainly they'll go easy on the same people 
that they think when they put in their 20 and have their pension, who do they want to go to work for? Like, so yeah. they go easy on the regulators that have captured their, their, their regulatory sector. So, like, what is, what is the problem? And, and I guess what you're seeing is St. Louis, the St. Louis region and St. Louis County in particular long held itself out as sort of a paradigm of lack of corruption. And, and between the, 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 the now almost forgotten, but at the time quite a scandal, 2001 indictments and the much more remembered Steve Stanger indictments of a few years ago, and now this latest round of county and city corruption. Maybe, maybe the St. Louis region needs to rethink its, its uh, position as, as an honest political area and uh, maybe realize that maybe we're uh, down in the sewer with the rest of the places. I mean, they, they uh, investigated this group for a year or more, and they uh, have, I guess they tapped their conversations at some point, and they basically are saying, there's so much money around, we need to get some of it. There's so much money. I mean, my attitude is how much can we, like, they're literally quoted as saying things, and that is always the case, and it kind of goes back to even Milton Friedman's, like, spending other people's money on other people, that when politicians are in the position of passing out money or passing out tax breaks or passing out contracts, they're going to be susceptible to being bought. Right? P.G. work has that great line, when you legislate buying and selling, the first thing bought and sold is the legislature. So That's part right. of this is just the, uh, you know, uh, uh, show me uh, uh, fans are, aren't going to be... Um, surprised to hear me say that when you have a big expansive government you invite you invite this regardless of your intention the more that government does the more opportunity there is for uh this type of corruption right and uh and in kansas city if i remember correctly the there was some concern about the tax increment financing giveaways and they decided to stop and study it and they had the who did they have study it Oh, my gosh. It was basically a trade association uh, for uh, development. economic development subsidies. So, so they kind of, you know, uh, you know, they hired a trade association to investigate uh, the process that this trade association promoted. Um, and and the, uh, I mean, the best part, you, you look into things like this and it makes you crazy. That trade association wasn't anywhere near the uh, lowest bid uh, oh, right. to, That's right. to, to do this study. And then. If you look at the original the original bid they put in, they had a pretty good uh, a partner that was going to do the research, and then by the time the contract was uh, fulfilled, they had they had gotten rid of that and put someone else in. So, and what did they find? Uh, you know, it, it's hardly a finding. Basically, what they did was what what economic development uh, aficionados always do, which is they sum up all the economic activity that happened after a subsidy right and claim that it is therefore because of the subsidy it is it is the most basic of logical fallacy that we all learn in eighth grade but right. it is the cornerstone of uh, economic development policy which is if it came after it came because of in other words if you get a tax break because you're building a building and you're going to empl employ 500 people you build the building you in fact employ 500 people they see that as the benefit even though those 500 people just used to work somewhere else yeah, you 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 close down some satellite offices. You move them all into yeah. a downtown office building, and uh, and and by the way, you used to pay uh, taxes uh, on those people. You move them into the place that got a subsidy. You don't pay taxes anymore, and 
everyone in town thinks that that's a victory. It's it's crazy. And and rarely, rarely do you, if you promise to employ 500 people, rarely do you actually make it to 500 people. I mean, the the that's what the state audit finds continually is oversold and then under under delivered on the promises. So rarely would you actually meet meet the 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 suggestions, the promises you make in order to get your your tax subsidy. And it's just so so commonplace. And not just in St. Louis and Kansas City, but in in St. Louis County, and now unfortunately in Springfield and Columbia, and and rural rural Missouri too as well. It's it's arriving to rural Missouri, where instead of just low taxes for all in a in a low even tax base, it's just people fall all over themselves to give out special tax deals. And I guess I guess that's where I sort of disagree with Patrick when he in his opening line that he thinks you know most. Most elect most elected officials are well intentioned and are trying to do their best, and I, I that's not wrong. But I but I also find you know you get out to you know the suburbs and these part time older people like, and I gotta say most of them I think are clueless. I mean they might be well intentioned, but it doesn't mean they're at all at all knowledgeable about about government, and it leads to. It leads to an idea of well, we'll do everything that'll be benefit. We'll do anything that benefits my area. No, right. so there's no actual long-term thinking, and whether that's from a political desire to get reelected, which is true with the United States Congress, probably less true for your $100 a month alderman stipend monthly meeting, but it's very true for well, well, if we got to give a subsidy to get a to get a new convenience mart at the corner of of State and Maine, well, let's buy gum. My neighbors want a convenience store at State and Maine, and I'm not right. even going to really think about the long-term implications of this. So I think so there's a me, frustrating cluelessness that we try to address here at Chomi Institute, but that that involves a as well as we do to address that. I mean, you need elected officials who are going to put the work in to learn it. So, David, I, I absolutely agree with you. I don't think these people are intentionally uh, corrupt. I think they are overwhelmed. And they, if they are looking and trying to stand up, they are, they are a minority. And, and the first project that you and I worked on together, David, you may recall, was Lee's Summit uh, considering the use of Enterprise Zone, Enhanced Enterprise Zones, EEZs. And I delivered your research to testify there in person. And uh, what I found, and it was a real uh, good education for me, because what I found was the uh, City Council of Lee's Summit uh, hired a consultant, economic development consultant, who had done this type of stuff in the past. Uh, they consulted with the state economic development agency. Uh, and everybody is on the same side of the table, right? The state says, oh, X many other counties have done this. You should do it too. And the local consultant, who's basically paid to rubber stamp these things, depends on the state agency and says, this is great. And the politicians, uh, again, often not uh, familiar with all the research, uh, are responding to public demand to do something, right? I'm putting that in air quotes, do something. And they see economic development in the form of glass towers built elsewhere. And they hear the story of, well, we had a subsidy and, and that's what did that. And so they are uh, raised in this ecosystem that tells them that all this stuff works. Now, you and I know that none of it works. It's all a shell game, but it is really very difficult to communicate that when even voters, even voters who describe themselves as limited government, see a new glass building, understand there was a subsidy and think 
you know, that politician created jobs, right? And of course, uh, the, the, the frustrating part is to come in as a policy researcher and try to convince those people that actually these buildings you see are really a mirage. There are no new jobs. There's no new economic development. The impact analysis you've been given is fatally flawed. And so it, it takes a lot of work because again, everybody from the CEO of the company who gets the subsidy will say, come to the ribbon cutting because you helped us create jobs. The mayor's happy to say, I created jobs. The city voters are happy to see that jobs were created, right? The, the, the local economic development consulting agency is happy because they're getting funded from this type of stuff. The state agency is happy because it's one more self-fulfilling piece of evidence to justify their jobs. I mean, the And the entire... show me institute is grumpy about it. That's right. We're glad. We're oh, just why grumpy. You, why are you let's, guys? Uh, let's, let's talk about the third rail examples of this, which are sports arenas. And people kind of freak out if a sports arena threatens to leave the city. Uh, if they don't, they, they basically uh, blackmail the cities to get tax uh, tax breaks. That's right. And um, everyone wants them. And for as long as, I mean, going back 25 years, when I've looked at economic impact analyses of sports arenas, they are money losers and uh, net money losers. And yet that is a thing that people just, cannot get their heads around. So I think, uh, and maybe you guys have already worked on this or, or are working on it. I think Stan Kroenke is the perfect example because St. Louis was falling over themselves to give him money to keep the team in St. Louis. Billionaire. He went to Los Angeles where the city offered him exactly zero dollars. He <laughs> is a, a building or built now a $5 billion entertainment uh, complex with private money, right. two billion of it is his own money, and we all understand that that entertainment venue is going to be better than anything he would have built, funded by the taxpayers in St. Louis, because the investors in his entertainment district are playing with their own money, and they want to make sure that they see a return. Whereas cities are so happy to see a stadium. Right. in their own uh, in their own downtown that that they're they're happy to pay for it it seems That's if, right. it, it, yeah. and it would make sense for the city I've seen some analysis that even if the stadium gave the naming rights to the city right or handed the revenue over from external advertising to the city the city would be made whole yeah but they don't do that the city gets nothing other than the pride of having a team and it is embarrassing frankly how cities will uh will fall over themselves to give every little bit to these billionaire team owners who Later. will who will abandon you as soon okay. as they can make a, a greater buck somewhere else and let's Thoughts, let, let's hope that kansas city learns from st louis in this regard when they deal with the chiefs and the and the Royals, both of whom are expressing right. desires to have new stadiums. You know, St. Louis, the Rams was one of, certainly by most measures, one of the worst deals cut by a city to the most generous and wasted, as fun as it was to win a Super Bowl. And I was at the Super Bowl victory parade back in 2000. <laughs> I certainly remember it well. Uh, but it was one of the worst deals any city 
or and county. I don't want to just blame the city. The county and the state were in on that deal as well. Yeah. Made. And then, you know, perhaps in some respects, they learned a little bit when, you know, a decade or so later, when the Cardinals wanted a new stadium and the, the deal that was cut was was a better deal and a much better deal. There was still some taxpayer money involved, but a much, much less. And perhaps it was because nobody actually thought the Cardinals were going to leave St. Louis, Missouri. Right. And I would hope that, that that's the realization in Kansas City that it's highly unlikely either of those franchises are going to leave Kansas City. Uh, I can't put that in stone. I don't. I've got no idea of the future of the owners' minds, but well, but but well, the, well, I mean, the I, city I, of Kansas City should not be bucking up or Jackson County, the state of Missouri, and giving into the threats of uh, the Royals and the Chiefs in in the future. And I understand it's the Chiefs probably making more threats to actually leave for Kansas. I think the Royals. That's right. The Royals seem to be pretty committed to staying in Kansas City on the. That's uh, this side of the state, but they're still going to want some tax dollars, and I hope the Kansas mm-hmm. City can say no. And I don't want to get too off track on, on sports teams, but it's just an example of people don't see the inherent problems in these tax giveaways because sometimes it's a thing that they really want. But one of the problems clearly is politicians can't be trusted. And so what do you do? We are probably not going to hire people with better – I mean, I'm sorry. We're not going to be able to – collectively elect people with higher virtues, right? Stronger virtues. So what do we do to make sure that this uh, corruption is less likely to happen going forward? David. You know, you just, I mean- You're it, in the program? You've got to just eliminate the economic development subsidy game. I mean, e- economic development is not an area of government that needs reform. It needs elimination. I mean, there is, we don't need to keep it. Like we don't need, we need to reform policing because, you know, policing's, we have to have policing. We need, we need police. The benefits to police are incalculable and there are improvements to it that need to be made and changes that need to be brought. I mean, we would be better off tomorrow if the state of Missouri and every city and county in Missouri just got entirely rid of their economic development teams. Just, they don't have a positive outcome to them it's just an, not it's an have active, any economic development council at all no we don't need the state department of economic development we don't need the st louis city or kansas city economic development groups they should just be laid off they're an actively negative influence on top of all the money they cost i mean there's yeah. no there's no reward in the long run here if we just so i don't expect that to happen so in the short term we need to dramatically limit what they can do. And in Jefferson City next year, hopefully we can take these advantages of alleged bribes and the prior not so alleged malfeasance, such as during the Steve Stenger administration of, mm-hmm. of corruption with certainly uh, closely related issues. But if we can't get serious change uh, brought brought to reforms in the tax incentive and tax subsidy game next year in light of these uh, very serious charges, well then, shame on, shame on all of us, because this is a perfect example of just the outright sale of tax abatements, alleged outright sale of tax <laughs> abatements, and and a very much, and this is happening around around the state. Let's not kid ourselves that that these this is this has only happened a couple times, and the federal government just happened to record, you know, the only yeah. time it had ever happened. Like you know, to to that it point, happens. David, it really- happens a lot, probably. Uh, in reading 
that 66 page indictment, which I did the other day, I marveled by how matter of fact all the conversations were, which tells me that uh, this was not a one off. What do you mean? Uh, you know, it was just a matter of um, uh, the excerpt. Somebody was wearing a wire, right? Or the, the, the phones were tapped or something like that. But the conversation was so I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. It wasn't like they weren't speaking in code, right? <laughs> Nobody seemed to be hesitating. Well, you know, maybe I guess you could, you know, it was all very. The eagle has entered the building. Right. It was all very transactional, which tells me that this is, again, I have no firsthand knowledge, but it tells me that the culture has been allowing this uh, for quite some yeah. time. Uh, I agree with David that these subsidies uh, and these subsidy giving agencies um, aren't necessary, uh, that they are just uh, expensive. They invite all sorts of corruption and uh, conflicts of interest. I would love to see um, greater transparency around uh, a lot of this. I would like to see, for example, um, something that came out of our uh, TIFF for TAT paper a few years ago. We found it very difficult to track even the legal political donations because oftentimes when you apply for um, uh, a subsidy, a tax subsidy to build something, you'll create an LLC and that LLC will create, will, will apply for the, the TIFF um, it'll be, it's very difficult to know what corporation or what individuals you can look at development lawyers, but see, you know, if you're tracking the money, where do you start? Um, who, what names do you look for? So I'd love to see, for example, uh, any LLC that is receiving public funds or is receiving, uh, some sort of public subsidy widely defined, uh, because sometimes they'll say, well, we're not getting any money. No, but you're being allowed to keep the money you should be paying to the city or county. Um, have very stringent recording uh, reporting requirements based on them so that we can monitor this stuff. Now, of course, what happened in St. Louis would have never appeared on any uh, right. spreadsheet because it was yeah, all under right. the table. But but even the legal donations are tough. So I, I mean, these guys like to see find that the mayor had set up a, a, a nonprofit around preschool and he was getting donations to his preschool LLC, right? Not directly to his campaign fund because he didn't really need donations to his campaign fund, right? He was running unopposed. Largely unopposed, right. And so again, so, so it you can set up a better mousetrap, but really, uh, I think to David's point, we've got to stop pretending that government creates jobs or that government solves our problem. We need to stop pretending that the people that we elect to our local uh, government agencies um, have some sort of magical knowledge about what industries are going to be hot in 10 years and which ones four. are dying down. Right. Uh, just uh, the, the thing that amazes me, and, and we're talking about Kansas City and St. Louis, these are not right of center cities, right? They are not conservative. They are not small government. Yet the very premise of economic development incentives starts with taxes are too high. And if we want development in our city, we have to reduce taxes. Right. Now, the picking winners and losers is, well, rather than reduce taxes for everyone, we're going to keep taxes high for everyone, except for the few people that we are excited about or that we know about, or- They gave us money. If you're a cynic, right? The <laughs> ones that gave us money. And that's the power. And we need to strip that away. So- Again, the premise of economic development subsidies is starts with taxes are too high. And something that the head of the, the former head of a Kansas City Economic Development Corporation told me one time at a presentation was 
we need these subsidies because Kansas City has made itself too expensive to develop in. And I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think he's exactly right, which mean? makes the problem worse, which is Kansas City and St. Louis have erected barriers that mm-hmm. make it really expensive to develop there. And their solution is not to reduce those barriers, but to spend taxpayer dollars to offset the cost. We've taken zero problems and turned it into two problems. So, right. all right, much, much to much to add to much of those comments by my friend let's Patrick. Well, you know, he let's let's certainly realize it's not limited to left of center cities or areas like no. St. Louis and Kansas City and in Springfield, which is a right of center region by any definition of the term, full of city council members who would probably consider themselves pretty moderate, if not conservative on it. I mean, they're falling all over themselves to give special tax cuts to to new to truck stops and the Bucky's Trucking Corporation coming to Springfield. I mean, they can't they can't give the money away fast enough. And these are certainly people who would uh, many of them would think of themselves as on the conservative side of the spectrum. So it's a it's a pox that is around the state of Missouri. Uh, as to as to the comment of of a you know, what What we haven't, because Show Me Institute has lots of policy prescriptions for fixing economic development, where as much as I say, get rid of all of them, you know, we do have policy prescriptions such as make, deciding TIF at the county level instead of the municipal level, something that we've been backing for years and which has shown signs of improving the situation in certain counties. But when Patrick says we wouldn't catch what happened in St. Louis through better laws, you know, these these aldermen are so bad at what they were doing, it wouldn't stun me in the slightest if one of them on their home laptop had an Excel file of all the of all the bribes that they've been taking over the years. Like that, that just seems completely believable to to me. Alleged bribes, I should say, reminding me of the scene in the great film Casino, a scene which took place in Kansas City, mind you, where the FBI raids a a, a delicatessen owned by a mob family uh, on the on the bookkeeper for the mob, who then finds the book where he had written all the bribes he'd paid and all the all the kept der- careful details of all the kickbacks they'd gotten from Vegas casinos you know that t- that scene took place in Missouri so maybe we'll have a a repeat repeat of that right um i think one of them said on their wire on the recorded conversation i hope no one's bugging this i mean it is a lot of you know Right. Well, I joked. I joked on the Keep radio. I joked on the radio yesterday that I won't be surprised in a few months when in St. Louis, Kansas City, and elsewhere, suddenly there, there's there's funds to install a lot more meeting room saunas in city halls around <laughs> around around the states. It can be much more common for everybody to meet in a meet in a sauna in a in a state of in a state where it's much easier to tell who's wearing a wire and, and who's 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 not. And as for I too was struck by the fast nature of the conversations and matter of fact nature. Now I've never worn a wire. I do know people who <laughs> I do know someone who has and I I would guess if you have a there's a there's a goal to keep your conversations very short when wearing a wire just to just to lower the odds of screwing it up somehow. Um so we talked about one policy solution is you get rid of economic development councils. But, you know, when I see stories like this, I just think St. Louis already has so many problems. We have so many things that legitimately need work. Right now, we are flush with cash from the federal government, from uh, federal stimulus money due to COVID. Billions, millions, billions of dollars coming in. And this is, 
And this is where we are. We're still back with corrupt politicians. It just makes me sad. And Susan, that's why perhaps the St. Louis County, most of the attention has been to the St. Louis City indictments, but perhaps the St. Louis County one is the more informative one, even if the process did result in the the, block, the blocking of many of these attempted uh, th- th- thievery of PPP funds and the like, it certainly didn't block all of them. So as St. Louis City okay. and County or City are wallowing in billions in, of dollars uh, of total stimulus, COVID, uh, stadium yeah. funds, and more, overwhelming majority of which is absolutely no accountability. In St. Louis County's case, don't forget that a majority of the council members proactively decided to give away their oversight authority over the spending of it uh, in an unforgivable decision that made no sense in any way at all. So I would think that this type of scandal with uh, county re- with federal relief, COVID funds and the like, that that's the real tip of the iceberg, to use a phrase everybody seems to be using in the last couple of days, to see just how much money in that in that relief fund, stimulus funds, et cetera, has been stolen, siphoned, uh, abused, Absolutely. whatever, across the country and in Missouri. Absolutely. And I don't know if we'll ever know. My opinion is five, 10 years from now, we'll be like, where'd that money go? It's it's too easy, I think, to, to siphon some off of that money because there's not a ton of accountability or transparency on how it's being spent. But um, And I think that that's what's so tempting to folks who are inclined to do that. But, you know, uh, St. Louis public schools are terrible. Crime is terrible. You know, St. Louis citizens uh, are struggling and they elect people who line their pockets. Well, we just had some recall uh, recall election in San Francisco. Ultimately, the power is uh, still with the people and things like this go on as long as they're willing to um, uh, allow it to go on. Uh, You were talking about uh, solutions. I would encourage, um, because because I've gone back and read part of it, I would encourage you guys to go back and read it. And anybody who's a longtime Show Me fan to go back and read Audrey Spaulding's paper, Standstill, published in 2011, uh, in which she details some of the problems of um, the Land Redevelopment Authority in St. Louis. And uh, I don't know that she predicts necessarily, but she outlines a lot of the problems uh, in St. Louis city government that is uh, talked about in these indictments, which wow. is the power of uh, aldermen to put a hold on uh, land bank sales uh, f- for the uh, land bank to basically be used as a, uh, you know, a, a donor might go to a member of the alderman, a board of aldermen and say, hey, there's a particular piece of property I'm interested in in the land bank. I'm not ready to buy it now. Can you please make sure nobody else buys it for me? And so you've got, you know, the city uh, uh, running interference for them. And again, it's it's just this mismatch between the amount of power that local uh, elected leaders have and the amount of transparency or oversight. Right. And and then to follow up on that, you know, the Kansas City Star just last year did a series of stories including one great investigative report on the Kansas City Land Bank documenting very very similar problems in the Kansas City in the Kansas City Land Bank including one where the family of the Jackson County executive was able to purchase 
land land from the land bank, where they, which they turned around and just flipped for a very large profit. They didn't do anything with the land that they said they were going to do when they got a great deal on it from the land bank. They just turned around and flipped it for a giant profit. So then, you, so now you have the Kansas City Land Bank slowing down. What they were never charged with a crime in that. That was just an uh, an ethical violation of the rules of the land bank. But so now the Kansas City Land Bank is slowing down its sales to prevent political. Uh, deals like that. So now nobody can buy land from the Kansas City Land Bank. So it just sits there off the tax rolls. That's exactly what's going to happen in the city of St. Louis, which just announced that they're freezing all land bank sales now. So now the city will sit there with eight to 9,000 properties on the tax rolls and not sell it uh, at all. So, and there's, and there's an attempt to expand land banks in the rest of the state. Uh, it almost passed this year. I spent the last few weeks of the session trying to alert people to the policy harms of this terrible bill uh, put out by a Springfield state representative. And so hopefully, if some good is going to come from all this, hopefully it will help people around the state realize that we don't need more land. We don't need more land banks around the state. We don't need rural Missouri or, or other more distant suburbs expanding their use of tax abatements. It's all a recipe for cor- corruption uh corruption and malfeasance and fiscal abuse and it just has to be stopped so what's your prediction david like five years from now st louis and and tax abatements st louis and tips what's your prediction will people try to clean it up uh, no I, I do not have i do not have a benefit to that i do think that we can slowly but surely get more counties to adopt the tiff the county tiff model where counties make the decision not cities that's had tremendous benefits in st charles and jefferson counties uh has had benefits in st louis county as well certainly better now than it was it's not perfect in st louis county but it's better uh cast county it's too soon to tell how it's going to work there since it's so new but I'm, i'm confident it will be beneficial in cast county and we need every county in the state basically to make all major all major economic development decisions, at least at the county level, so that the officials making the decisions are responsible to all of the voters, so that you don't have a city official making a decision that affects a school district where 90% of the residents of that school district don't live in that city. So there's no way of opposing what was done. So that, that's, that's dealt with much more directly if you at least do it at the county level. So we need now that leaves out the city of St. Louis, of course, which is its own county. Um, but that's a place that's a way we can certainly do it better if the counties were making these two choices in Clay and Platt and yeah. and maybe even Jackson than the city of Kansas City just giving it away right, right and left. And hopefully when it comes to community improvement districts and transportation development districts, we can adhere to the re- recommendations of auditors of both parties and some local auditors too, like the Kansas City auditor, who's recommended just dramatic tightening of the rules of these special taxing districts, as they really are nothing more than schemes of corporate welfare uh, dressed up under the guise of infrastructure investment. We do a terrible job of, the, of that in this state, and we need far more transparency in how it's spent. Really what we need most of all there is a requirement for a public vote in every instance and in getting rid of entirely these signature-driven special taxing districts, which is how most of them are created when right. one owner of one piece of property just signs a thing saying, I want a SID or a TDD, and they essentially yeah. get it. Patrick, one of the things, your- <clears throat> well, one of the things BCP is, is working on is coming up with, uh, to the degree that you can standardize it, but 
talking to people who've been involved in economic development subsidies in the past uh, that did not see the outcome they wanted um, and asking them, what would you have wanted to know then that you know now? So really putting some teeth to clawbacks. So tell me more about that. Expand on that a little bit. So for example, you know, a a corporation will come in and say, we want to build a world headquarters building here. We're going to create 16,000 new jobs. We're going to have this economic impact on this part of the town and uh, everything's going to be wonderful. All we need you uh, to do is let us keep all our taxes. And then the city uh, does that. And then over time, they realize, well, they've amended their original proposal a few times. So they're not building as much as they thought they, uh, as they said they were at the start. Um, also, uh, they're, it, it looks as if they're not meeting their commitment to on hiring uh, or the um, economic impact that they promised isn't being realized over time. Uh, and, and of course, what happens in Missouri, which frustrates all of us, is that uh, to the degree that the city and state compiles all the results of these subsidies, it's, it's all self-reported. Yeah, there's no audit, and and nobody even knows what a created job means. And I, and I don't imagine that any uh, economic development committee or council says to these companies, "We want to see your federal filings as to your number of full time employees, and this is going to be our benchmark. And when you come back next year, we're going to want to see a plus five percent. You know." So, Numbers that are actually uh, backed by the force of, uh, you know, uh, uh, law, as far as that they mean something, um, and and actually set up uh, requirements that you know we're going to go back and look at this every six months, and if you fail to meet, we're going to curtail the subsidy. Uh, you know, even if we go county level, uh, which would be an improvement, um, and even if we do less of it, which of course is an improvement, I would like the numbers that these companies have to share to actually be real so that we can look over time and see, are they meeting their promises? Because too often these deals contain no clawbacks, no forfeiture provisions, no real something that a city or state auditor can look at years later and say, you failed your end. Yeah. And then in the long term, if you see enough failures, you could perhaps convince folks that it's a bad policy. Ultimately, unfortunately, and and I think about San Francisco, it takes a cataclysmic failure for people to really wake up to what they're doing. I would love it, for example, if the people in St. Louis looked at these indictments and said, oh, my gosh, we've got a real problem with our land bank policy or we've got a real problem with our tax abatement policy. My fear is that they say we've got three bad eggs. Let's get rid of them. Let's get rid of them. And, and everything's going to be okay. And of course, that's not the problem. Yeah, but people don't understand tax abatements or land banks, right? No, the that, average person walking down the street doesn't know what a tax abatement or a TIF is. Or Well, look, uh, according to David, and I agree with him, a lot of elected officials don't understand what a TIF right. or a tax abatement is. Right. So, it, you know, the solution is we're always going to get these type of people elected. Um, what we need to do is make sure they have less uh uh, room to walk around in, right? They've right. got less power to sell. Not that right. we're going to come up with some sort of complicated Rube Goldberg machine that's going to check them, just mm-hmm. that, you know what? Your job is to pave the streets and to make sure that the police are funded and the courts work. And um, and that's it. School. We're not going uh, to have you oversee what some company wants to do in a part of town because uh, the parties to that sale are, are more than able to uh, to negotiate without you.
Well, interesting stuff. I, I, I'm always hopeful about St. Louis and it often disappoints me, but um, there's only what, 24 aldermen? This is 10% of them roughly, or is there 28? Right, there were twenty. There were twenty-eight aldermen plus the president of the board, so there are twenty-nine, and it's 10%. it's going down. It's already going, being reduced to fifteen. Fourteen aldermen plus the president of the board. If I think I have fourteen plus one, it may just yeah. be fourteen total. Uh, through a through an initiative petition of a, a decade ago to reduce the size of it, and it was going to be really hard figuring out in a series of elections who was going to be who was going to be the half of them who were cut. But between okay. Uh, resignations and indictments. Uh, now, like they're they've, they're really like a third of the way down to removing removing people already. So this this is not going to be nearly as hard as they might have feared to uh, to get down to fourteen or fifteen there by the the yeah. next automatic session. It might be it might be happening naturally. Prosecutorial attrition. Right, right, right. Well, uh, thanks for joining me to talk about this and. Uh, help people understand it. We, Patrick, it does make me think of your Show Me Institute paper, Tiff for Tat, still available out there at showmeinstitute.org. And um, final thoughts, either of you? Well, the the other paper, so much of this relates to, is, is Patrick and Graham Renz wrote, you know, overgrown and noxious about special <laughs> taxing districts throughout throughout the state. I mean, these yeah. these clearly relate to. I mean, it's, that's the same issue, the ability to yeah. either sell a tax abatement or create yeah. a special taxing district with such ease and, and simplicity. And and we've been writing, look, the Show Me Institute has been advocating for TIF reform and other special ta- and other tax abate reforms. At the TIF level, we've had some success in the past uh, 15 years. We have had success. We need further success and and. And we need the good thing about indictments like this is they at least focus people's attention to the problem for a while. And hopefully we can make some change out of that. Right. Yeah, I'm hopeful that the state legislature looks in this and just says, you know, we've got a we've got a big problem here. And it, uh, it it's not a matter of coming up with all these tweaks. As David said, sometimes it's a matter of just getting rid of this stuff altogether. Right. And hopefully the, the bill introduced in the last few years to expand land banks, hopefully the. Hopefully the shame will will prevent the bill from being even introduced in the first place. And if it is introduced, hopefully it'll be laughed out of the the chamber uh, <laughs> n- next year instead of coming uh, decidedly close to pass to passage. All right. Well, great. Thank you guys so much for joining us to talk about it, and uh, talk to you again soon. Take care. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Patrick. Mm-hmm.